Welcome to Tax Justice Warriors, the podcast that celebrates the work of low-income taxpayer clinics, focuses on tax controversy work, and looks at related issues in tax news. I'm your host, William Schmidt. Well, hello everyone. This is William Schmidt, Clinic Director for the Low-Income Taxpayer Clinic at Legal Aid of Western Missouri. Andrew Belter, LITC Director, Wisconsin Judicare. Good to see you once again, Andrew. And we were just chatting some things over and kind of had a a question for the new filing tax season. And so let's, let's dig into that a little bit. One question you were bringing up is regarding the advanced child tax credit. So if people receive the forms, then what, what do they do during the tax season? And so, I mean, my guess was if everything looks right, then you may not have to note anything on a tax return or may not have to file a tax return if you normally would not be required to. But then the question is, what if things don't match up? Even if they do, they do match up, wouldn't you, don't a lot, a lot of people still have to file to claim the other half of the child tax credit? Right. They, they normally would have to file as it is to claim the rest of the child tax credit, I think. Right. But yeah, I, th- I think. Or will they get automatically released? I'm a little confused now. Yeah. If it's already getting released, why wouldn't it just the rest of it automatically get released? But yeah, there, there are going to be a lot of matching issues, I think, with, I mean, certainly if everyone received everything correctly, I think, like you're saying, they still have to file to get the rest of the child tax credit. But then if things don't match up right, that that they didn't receive what they were supposed to or, or something like that. So one piece of advice, I believe it was from the taxpayer liaisons, they were saying for the taxpayer to go to the taxpayer assistance center and talk to the IRS representative there to get things sorted out. I just have a feeling that that probably won't get things sorted out anyway. And so people will file whether there's a resolution or not. And, and so the IRS is going to be, you know, to, to call them landmines or what, but they'll, they'll be getting all of these different items that are unreconciled and, you know, have to process them. So I foresee even more delays coming through when, when it comes to IRS tax processing. And I kind of don't understand the whole include include the letter when you file your tax return because if the letter's right i don't think you really need a letter the letter to prove that it's right because irs has documentation and if the letter is wrong i think you sending your, your tax return in with the letter is going to do nothing but document what the irs already sent i think they're causing more confusion about telling them that they should send their tax returns with the letters. I'm not, or maybe they're just saying use them as a reference, but I'm guessing most people know what they received and what they didn't receive, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. There there will be a good amount of confusion. And something else that I am curious is for tax returns where someone claims more child tax credit or more recovery rebate credit, than what the IRS thinks they can claim because they, the IRS thinks that they already sent it. I'm pretty sure you have, if, if they already sent it 
to reverse everything, a refund trace has to happen. So are they going to be allowing refund traces to be initiated if they, you know, they send them the math correction notice, then respond to the math correction notice saying, no, I did not receive that payment. Will they then initiate a refund trace on their own? Or would a taxpayer have to independently call, start the refund trace? Hopefully the refund trace will finish up before the before it some sort of examination, and then they can finally claim the correct credit. That was just a lot. I know I've been, I've been thinking about it a lot because I have a couple of cases like that where they're telling me you have to do the refund trace for the third stimulus payment. Then you have to wait for the refund trace to reverse the credit. Then you have to file a 2021 tax return to claim that credit. I'm thinking, wow, there's no way these my clients would be able to do this on their own. Yeah, I just I just ranted. I know. <laughs> well, I in in watching everything that's happened with the the stimulus payments and the child tax credit payments. I mean, I I think there there will be problems in reconciling everything and then trying to sort things out with the IRS. So. I mean, I, I just agree with with what you said that, you know, how how do you initiate it? Well, I mean, I, I think that's probably only when the taxpayer contacts the IRS, but I, th I think, again, it's going to be messy. Yeah, I, I don't have any good answers myself. I'm, I'm just... How many refund traces are probably going on right now for stimulus payments? And now... I wonder how many refund traces are going to happen for child tax credit, advanced child tax credit payment. Would a taxpayer have to request a refund trace for each individual payment of the monthly payment of the child tax credit? Again, a, a good question. I mean, I, I would think it would be in a series of like, I mean, I, I would think the payments would be going potentially to the same place to, to be direct deposited or, or something like that. So Hopefully it would just be one refund trace, but again, I, I don't know. Because I was almost gonna send a refund trace for the first and second stimulus payments because they were on the same tax return. But the IRS agent told me, no, 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 you have to do them individually, one for each of them. I thought, oh, I, I didn't know that. I guess that makes sense because there's different dates on when you release it, if you look at the form. So can you imagine if, People need to request a refund trace for each month of the child tax credit. I'm going down the rabbit hole on these refund traces. <laughs> I mean, if if they have to do, like if, if someone needs all six months for refund traces, I mean, I, I suppose that's six traces per person if if there are people needing needing that much. Well, let's let's move on to better news. <laughs> Filing season is about to start. It, it already has in a way you can file electronically because they will be held and then transmitted January 24th when it opens. Right, the IRS free file has opened on January 14th. But yes, the so far the expected tax season goes January 24 through April 18. It looks like we have another one of those Washington DC holidays pushing the 
the close of the tax season back from April 15th to the 18th this year. And I will admit that, I mean, so for the month of January, all of the companies are sending out their tax forms. And I'll admit that, like, I gather my forms and maybe maybe start prepping things, but I really don't dig into my taxes until February because I don't think I receive all of my forms in, until that point. But are, are you a, a January tax guy, Andrew? I'm not. I'm a March or even April guy. <laughs> yeah. I'll admit it. Well, yeah, I, I may get started in February, but, you know, how making sure everything gets reviewed and, and submitted takes a little time in my household. So do you know if they released the date when they'll start processing earned income credit returns? I Because I know that's a little bit later normally, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Traditionally, those those have been a little later so that they can compare what's been submitted to the potential earned income tax returns. I, I don't see any information on it. Or those refunds are held a little bit longer to make sure that they aren't sending them out erroneously. Right. I, I, I think it's been like a couple weeks in, in what the delay is, but. Yeah. I mean. Late February, it says, I think. First week of March for EITC, ACTC filers. So that's something that people probably should know and clients of ours would be interested in. Yeah. Another recent tax news item was that the tax court is going to be all virtual for the rest of January. And we were chatting that, so Kansas City, the whole time they've had us on the schedule for January 24th, they've been saying that was going to be virtual, but now it's basically everyone else in January, they're adding to virtual dockets for the rest of the month. So I'm curious, I mean, I don't know if if they're going to start adding more months to the list or what kind of other fallout there will be. And actually, I haven't heard any reports if they did have any in person this year, but I just thought I'd bring it up and, and see if you have any thoughts on the impact. I mean, I, th I think basically they're just kind of reining things in, being being a little more conservative for now and keeping it virtual. Yeah, I think I think that's good to keep it virtual. And I, I haven't heard of any in person. I thought there was going to be an in person. I, I, I maybe it was on one of the presentations yeah, I mean, that someone talked about going in person, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're all, if that, if that got canceled. Right. They they were making the switch for this year, but I haven't really heard that that anything happened. I don't know. It, it makes me wonder for the, the ABA conferences that I was, I was kind of getting ready to attend in May in Washington, D.C. in person, but so many of those have been virtual at this point that, you know, I, I wonder what's going to happen there as well. Yeah, I don't anticipate in person for those. Maybe once summer comes around, maybe it's just winter, you know, yeah. winter is causing the surge and everything will be nice and cheerful come summer. 
Yeah, I I booked my flight to Washington D.C., so I was hoping that it would no, yeah, would would go through, but you know, maybe I need to cancel again. That's a good that's a good reminder, though. I need to look at flights. Completely off topic, but <laughs> I know that you had a state issue happen today. But one thing that Wisconsin is doing that might be damaging to our clientele, if you were in Wisconsin, they, the Department of Revenue is no longer sending the tax forms, tax guides to libraries. And a lot of people relied on libraries, I guess, for these forms to know how to complete their state returns. And now I'm not sure what they do. They have to look it up online. Some people aren't good with technology or they have to ask the library to print it off. I have no idea. Yeah, that's that's actually been happening in Kansas for a little while now. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe a couple tax tax years, tax seasons. And a a friend of mine who lived in Missouri, I mean, he he expressed his frustration to me because he was looking for some forms at a library and I don't know for for some reason I don't know if there was something yeah I I think he had to log in to to file his Kansas return and and he was having trouble with that so and and he's not a low income individual necessarily so I certainly agree that that there are some of these I don't plans that that the Department of Revenue or the IRS may have that they are focused on technology and and want to save money or or something and I don't think they think about the the ramifications of of this will affect low income people that and elderly yeah that that they can't get online or find the forms or or whatever the case may be so so yeah there's there's fallout in those areas so Wisconsin has done pretty okay by having the forms at the library until this tax filing season. I guess I should be proud of my state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's how Kansas was. I, I don't know, I don't know if Missouri is, is still pretty good about getting the forms in the libraries or not, but yeah, I've over the years I've I've been seeing less forms in the in the Kansas libraries. So by this point, I, I don't know if they supply anything the libraries and okay so quick question two questions does your state process tax returns faster than the irs maybe they have been i don't i don't know i mean i've like i i generally file electronically and haven't really had issues so i don't know if it's that big a deal but i kind of wonder if if it's all been paper filed i i think i think if paper filing the state would be faster but for, for Wisconsin, paper filing way faster than the IRS, even during normal times. And I, I mean, it, it might, it might be a question like if it's past years paper filing, but I still might bet on the state that they would be faster. But I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, for for previous years, state way faster for me. Yeah, and they let they let me, uh, they let us fax tax returns in to their compliance division. So that's really helpful. Yeah, I think generally we can do that, though it's, yeah, 
still hit or miss sometimes on on if they're processing it or or what. And then my next question about state: Does your state independently start audits, or do they just piggyback off of any IRS adjustments? I think it's mostly piggyback off the IRS audits. Though I think if someone files a return with a liability. I mean, I, I think they stick pretty much with it in, until the person's paid in full. But it's it's tough in talking with the clients here that, you know, figuring out what started their state tax liability, like like digging into the origin of it. Because I think I've seen a lot more adjustments after the IRS audits makes its changes than the state independently asking for doing an EIC audit, for example. Very rare that the state would do that. I've seen it happen. Normally it has to do something else triggered it. Maybe they didn't receive the W-2s, so there's no state withholding. That'll have an adjustment. But self-employment income, for some reason Wisconsin is way more strict about self-employment income and will ask you to prove it before the IRS seems to, in my experience, for my clients. Yeah, I, th- I think we're kind of debating the chicken or the egg sometimes, but I, I do feel like a lot of it seemed to be based off IRS audits and then, you know, oh, you, you get this resolved with the IRS and then you have to follow up with the state to make sure they correct everything. So I don't know. Yeah. A lot of bureaucracy that, that gives us job security. And then sometimes I'm thinking this information is good enough for the IRS. They're giving my client this credit. Why isn't it good enough for the state? But I, I never want to throw that in their face. But, you know, sometimes it is frustrating because it, it, it seems like two different, you're fighting two different battles. Okay. I've, I've got one for you. So at least in Kansas, there is an innocent spouse department within the IRS, but they don't have their own innocent spouse department in Kansas, they will just follow along with what the IRS decides. Well, that causes a problem if you've resolved things at the federal level, but not at the state level when it comes to innocent spouse issues. So do you have that problem? So you're saying you can't file innocent spouse? Well. Let, let's say let's say all the taxes are paid at the federal level, but not at the state level. Oh, okay. And it's an innocent spouse problem. Yeah. Well, you, you can't file with the IRS that they have an innocent spouse problem because they're they're just going to reject it. And so so how do you fix the problem at the state level? Because they're saying, well, we'll get us an innocent spouse determination. And yeah, so, I don't. We don't have that problem, thankfully, in Wisconsin. They, I don't think they have an innocent spouse unit, but compl- the compliance division does review innocent spouse requests, and they, for state taxes, they will go by what the divorce, what the marital settlement agreement says. I imagine that's a function of them recognizing state law, or you know. It, it does kind of make sense for them to file that, but sometimes they disagree with the IRS. 
normally they're a little more they're a little easier to it's a little easier in wisconsin to get innocent spouse than it is compared to the irs i'm thinking hard about it now too because wisconsin does take into account some pretty sad situations that you know it may not rise to the level of abuse that the irs needs for them to take certain situations into consideration but wisconsin will is a little more lenient about listening to how bad a marriage was or what happened in it it's that's good because kansas doesn't do their own independent review of innocent spouse cases they just say we'll do what what the irs decides we'll, we'll go along with that that's crazy so you've encountered this problem have you talk to someone there? Well, that's, that's what I was saying that, that I would try. I was, I was trying to see what, what policies I could get changed. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't really get any traction to, to talk with someone with some, you know, who, who can make some, some decisions there. That's wild. Cause I, I could easily see that being a problem. Yeah. That's, this is why it, it can get frustrating with our funding sources where, where we can't do any lobbying and, just what kind of legislative change can be made that sometimes our hands are tied. And we don't have, and states don't have a taxpayer advocate like the IRS at the national level, do they? Some states do. So, so Kansas does, but in my, in my experience, it's been, he was good at resolving tax return problems but not necessarily being an advocate for clients like i was hoping for yeah not systemic right right not systemic issues it was just maybe he could help push things through for a particular client yeah but he wasn't he wasn't really fighting systemic battles not like yeah not like our nta yeah she did present her review, I think, right? Right. Erin Collins has, has submitted her annual report. Is is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've seen that it came out. I haven't I haven't dug into it. And I mean honestly, every year it it is a massive report that the National Tax Advocate does. So I certainly read the highlights, but I don't 68 legislative changes are recommended. And now we will proceed to list all 68. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, I heard like some commentary on it where I, I forget which words were used, but basically National Taxpayer Advocate commenting on the low response rate for phone calls and, and communication. But it is... Yeah, maybe, maybe the term was like the the worst ever or or something like that. Oh, the most challenging ever. I have the quote right here. Okay. The most challenging your taxpayers and tax professionals have ever experienced. All right. Welcome to tax work, everyone. <laughs> so if if you want to challenge the the IRS is is ready for you to to give you one. Well, okay. I th- I think this episode has been a little bit of a, a potpourri of the the latest news, 
and and giving our our commentary on that. Any, yeah. Any other items you want to throw in there, Andrew? No, this was some good rifting. <laughs> I hope it was informative. I had fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we 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 talked on some of the latest tax news. So the refund trace still has me, my my brain just down a rabbit hole. Yeah, I I don't know if there are any good answers, but you know, certainly give us an update if if you if you find something out. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for joining me, Andrew. And, you know, I, I look forward to our next episode. And for everyone that's listening, good luck with the tax season. Yes. Good luck to everyone. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to Tax Justice Warriors. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to support this podcast. Providing monetary support for this podcast helps with expenses like equipment or travel to tax conferences. Supporting this podcast through Patreon comes with rewards, so check out our Patreon page. Please rate or review this podcast because positive reviews help get more people to know this podcast exists. The views expressed on this podcast are not official opinions of the IRS, the Low Income Taxpayer Clinic Program, or the employers of the people who spoke on this program. Your tax situation is unique, so do not take the statements on this program as tax or legal advice. Consult with your own tax professional to provide you with specific advice on your situation. Tune in next time on Tax Justice Warriors for another interesting tax discussion.